G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Hey, Easter's all about chocolate, right? God is soft and sweet and loving, right? What if there's another side to Easter, a side that we'd rather not think about, a side that involves not just the suffering of Jesus, but our own suffering? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and welcome again to the program as we take a look at Easter from a different perspective. Just a few days until the Easter Bunny calls. I hope you've been down to buy your stash. (laughs) It's a bit of a sham, isn't it? But hey, most of us are chocoholics, and so we swallow this Easter Bunny thing hook, line and cholesterol. It's funny, though, how the first Easter, the Jesus Easter, had nothing to do with chocolate. The food they ate was roast lamb with, with bitter herbs, normally horseradish, and unleavened bread. That's bread without yeast, more like the Lebanese or the pita bread we buy down at the local deli. That's because Jesus was crucified during the Passover festival. And when you listen to what he had to say at the Last Supper, which was the Passover meal, who he was and what was about to happen to him, had everything to do with the Passover that had happened about 1270 BC, so almost 1300 years before he sat at that Last Supper with his disciples. There's something about the stories of old. There's a richness in a history that, that brings a new dimension to life today. You know how we all get focused on making ends meet and working and, and bringing up our kids? And, but when we look back into the history, it, it kind of gives us a bit of a different angle on things. And my hunch is that that's exactly what we need this Easter. When you hear this word Passover, it's kind of an odd word. The only time we tend to use it in the 21st century, I guess, is when we get passed over. Someone gets passed over for a promotion. It's about missing out on something good. I remember when I was a young lieutenant in the Australian Army, not long graduated from our officer training academy at Duntroon. It was always interesting to see who would be the first of our graduated class to be promoted to the rank of captain. Well, it turns out the first guy to be bumped up was one of those who graduated by the skin of his teeth. We would have given him the award for the least likely to succeed. Well, I have to tell you, when I found that out, I was devastated. It felt like all my hard work, I'd been passed over. But the Passover that Israel was celebrating that week that Jesus was crucified, it wasn't about missing out on something good like a promotion. The Passover they were talking about was missing out on something really bad. It way, way back in 1270 BC... The whole nation, over a million of them, were in slavery in Egypt. They'd been that way for 430 years. God's chosen people groaning under the weight of slavery. And yet God hears their cry and he sends Moses to set them free. And maybe you're familiar with the story. God sends, through Moses, ten plagues on Egypt. 
diseases and locusts and frogs, all sorts of horrible things. And still Pharaoh won't let them go. And here it is, the final plague that tips the balance, that convinces Pharaoh to let God's people go. Exodus chapter 12, beginning at verse 29. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of livestock. Pharaoh arose in the night, he and all his officials and all the Egyptians, and there was a loud cry in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron in the night and said, Rise up, go away from my people, both of you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you said. Take your flocks and your herds as you said and be gone and bring a blessing on me too. Pretty brutal. It's not what you expect of a loving God. But here's the thing. It only happened to the Egyptians, not to God's people. How did they avoid it? How come their firstborn weren't struck down? Here's the answer. Because God told them through Moses to do something that would prevent it from happening to them. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. The lamb shall be divided in portion to the number of people who are there to eat it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male, and you will take it from the sheep or from the goats. You will keep it until the 14th day of this month, and then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. This is how you shall eat it, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt." What a terrible judgment it was that was executed on Egypt that night. We we can scarce imagine the pain and the suffering. And I have to tell you, it's something I struggle with when I read it. But that's the punishment that God executes on all those that turn their backs on him. The wages of sin is death, an eternal death, an eternal separation from God. But Israel was spared that night because in faith they painted the lamb's blood on their doorposts. They put their trust in the blood of the Lamb. And so they were passed over. And as this Passover was celebrated over a thousand years later by Jesus and his disciples in that upper room just before he was crucified, this is what it was all about. They ate the Lamb, they drank the wine, all the things that they did at a Passover celebration, remembering that on that night, almost 1,300 years before, through the blood of the Lamb, each one of God's people was spared the punishment. They were passed over. What's the link between the Passover and old and that last supper in the upper room before Jesus was crucified? John the Baptist gives us the hint. He saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus puts it beyond any doubt when he speaks at the Last Supper, 
When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with a cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. A new covenant. A new promise. The blood of the Lamb of God being poured out for us. Here, the Lamb of God was talking about his blood being poured out on the cross and anyone who puts their faith in him will be passed over will be set free from the slavery of sin. See, this spoke so deeply into the disciples' hearts. They celebrated the Passover meal every year, all their lives, and now Jesus was saying, God's doing something new through me. Through my blood, he will pass you over. Through the blood of the Lamb, my blood, my life, my death, my sacrifice, you will be set free. if I could ask for your input, a bit of help, if you will, to guide me along the way. As you might imagine, we receive a lot of feedback to a different perspective from right around the world. And one of the most common things people say is, I wish you could teach more about subject X or whatever. So that got me to thinking, wouldn't it be great if we could be a bit more deliberate about that? Wouldn't it be great if I could get your input on the teaching topics that would really speak into your life. So could I ask you, when you have a moment, to head across to teachingtopics.org to have your say. It'll only take you a couple of minutes, and who knows how many other people right across the globe might be blessed by your God-inspired ideas. That web address again is teachingtopics.org. Just a few minutes of your time could have a powerful impact that ripples out into countless places that we can't even begin to imagine. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.